So I think we, we saved a great session for the end of today's conference. Some of my favorite topics, let's say augmented reality, but I always get corrected, spatial computing. So uh, that is one of them. Um, and a second one around cloud gaming. So I first welcome uh, Vivek from Magic Leap to the stage. I, I hope you all heard of Magic Leap, American startup in spatial computing space. And uh, I'm looking forward to hear what you have to tell us and show us in the enterprise space, which I find particularly interesting. Absolutely, and thanks for having us here, Heinz. So um, I'm wondering, we have a, a few slides that uh, I'd like to share with you and uh, walk you through a little bit about uh, Magic Leap and uh, how this kind of relates to 5G. But just by a quick show of hands over here, who all in the audience has heard of Magic Leap? Okay, so quite most of you. Who here have tried Magic Leap? All right, a few of you. Okay, great, so this helps me kind of get a better perspective. So um, do I have a clicker or is this just gonna go on? Next slide, all right, is it right here? Awesome. So what I wanted to do today is just uh, kind of give you a quick overview on uh, what we're doing today, how we kind of see uh, the concepts around Magicverse and 5G and the culmination and the convergence of both the network as well as the computing uh, uh, layers coming together and making that convergence around what it is we're trying to do as a company both today and in the future. So we believe that we need to take a giant step uh, when it comes to both computing and combining both uh, the advent of 5G as well as new computing mediums uh, such as Magic Leap. And what we're really doing in this step is we're combining both the digital and the physical world. So today, if you want to interact with your digital world, you, you whip out the smartphone, you go to a website, you consume content that way. So these are two isolated experiences. You want to, you want to go get a cup of coffee, you probably go down to Starbucks and you probably have a coffee there. That's a physical experience. So how do you combine both of those experiences together and make it much more seamless is kind of what we're trying to do. But let's take a step back, right? Let's see where we've come in the past, you know, three to four decades. You know, initially when we had closed computing environments, we migrated from mainframe to distributed computing. You know, you had closed circuit environments, and then we had the advent of the internet, the web. And that's where we started using Wi-Fi, the concept of HTTP protocol. We started consuming content via the web, which is kind of what we still do today. And thanks to the, uh, you know, the, the improvements in computing, we started taking our computing, these computing devices from our offices into our homes, from our homes into with us uh, every day, all day. And this wasn't possible without the actual networks being available where we finally today have 4G and we're able to make this a little, lot more prolific and walk around with a computing device in our pocket that can pretty much do everything that we can do at home. Um, but now there's another inflection point uh, with 5G coming and maturing uh, over the next uh, several years. And, and then also on the computing side, what are, you, what are we going to do with that much bandwidth? It doesn't mean getting a Netflix video faster uh, for, on, for the consumer side. It's also, you know, how are we going to experience uh, this type of uh, content uh, that's much more rich, uh, that's much more instant, uh, that's ubiquitous, that's around us and interacts and blends with our physical world. So that's what we're calling the spatial web. And I want to just talk a little bit about the journey as to what we at Magic Leap are trying to do to achieve this capability. And this is just an industry right now. You have several, uh, you know, wearable computing technologies, as well as folks trying to, you know, figure out the right kind of standards to be able to define uh, what we are calling the spatial web or web 3.0. So for most of the folks who've heard of Magic Leap, um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but 
the first piece of technology that we've put out there is the full-stack hardware. It's the hardware, it's the operating system, uh, it's the applications, and what we call Magic Leap World, where developers and communities can start to download the SDK, experiment around with this technology, and develop applications that can then be uh, uh, deployed to either consumers or enterprises so that they can uh, you know, either get enriched or uh, improve ROI for learning and training, or, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about some of those enterprise use cases and what we're seeing in the field in uh, 2019 and beyond. So uh, this is a quick image of uh, you know, our technology today. It's a freestanding uh, spatial computing device. And so it's kind of important now that I've used that word a couple of times to define what is spatial computing. We've heard the term XR, um, and XR has many meanings. So from the way and the lens in which we look at this, uh, uh, this industry is there's virtual reality, which is all the way on the far right, uh, or your far left. And in that, that's an immersive one-on-one -on -one experience, right? You put on a headset, you can't see the world around you. So if you're really trying to leverage uh, this whole concept of being uh, around people and have digital content interact with you while you're still interacting with the physical world, that's probably not the best place to start. Not saying it doesn't have its use cases, but from our lens and our view of what we're trying to achieve, um, that's where you start shifting uh, more towards the direction of spatial computing. Augmented reality the way we look at it in the world is you're whipping out your smartphone and you're kind of looking through that lens and then being able to see some sort of a uh, spatial or some sort of 3D content. But when you really start to uh, look at spatial computing, what we're doing is we're mapping the physical environment. So the first thing you're doing is you're meshing the entire room. What are the objects around here? What's the physics of the room? Where's the floor? Where's the ceiling? Where are the people around it? And then you're very uh, aesthetically putting in that digital content so it obeys with the physical surroundings around you. You want digital content to behave just like you know, a physical object would and obey the physics of you know, the way we interact with the physical world as well. That's the first step towards even getting these types of experiences so consumers and enterprises can really start to interact with, with digital content fluid, fluidly. And that is the giant leap that I talked about earlier on, on meshing both the physical and the digital world. So this has a massive impact for developers. We have a new way, a new medium for them to be able to develop in much more rich applications. For consumers, we believe that this will ultimately, uh, you know, there's, there's an adoption curve that's happening right now. And in the next few years, as computing, these computing devices become smaller and slimmer uh, and, and, you know, down to a pair of glasses, which is something that we all accept. Um, that's where you're going to start seeing much more infinite possibilities of them to be able to have different types of experiences, uh, different types of interactions and you're kind of uh, bringing all of that together. For enterprises today, and that's the, sort of the world that I live in, uh, this is already happening. And I'm gonna spend a little bit of time talking a little bit about what are we doing in the enterprise? How are they, how are they leveraging this technology? Uh, and then that'll kind of uh, bring together, you know, how this technology along with, you know, the kind of bandwidth and data you need and therefore 5G kind of comes together to give, uh, uh, to give the future of what we believe is uh, the magic verse. So if you if you kind of immerse yourselves with me for a minute, I mean, imagine if uh, it could be a lecture uh, where, you know, today's students go to university, but what if people were joining and actually feeling co-present? So in this, in this scenario over here, what you have, and education is actually, you know, a pretty large ver vertical over at Magic Leap. We have lots of universities that use the technology for medical training uh, and, and like anatomy training, et cetera. And, but in this case, what we're trying to show here is the concept of co-presence. So we're pretty serious about being able to bring uh, ho holographic content 
and being being able to beam people over into uh, a physical environment to actually feel like uh, you know while those seats might look empty over here if you're wearing a magic leap device there could actually be people sitting here from across the globe right so you start to amplify the economy you can even have the instructor that comes in uh, remotely and they don't necessarily have to be there in the physical environment we have working prototypes of this today already um, BNP Paribas is probably one of the first banks that's adopted this technology. There's, uh, if you Google it, there's enough information about them already, where they're using this technology to reduce the carbon footprint by creating an uh, interactive collaboration, collaborative environment where across cities people can use this technology, they can don a Magic Leap device, device and then appear as avatars and then in a collaborative space and they can share documents. Uh, they can surf the web, they can um, uh, interact with each other, it has your hand gestures, your, your mouth movements, so it starts to get from uh, to that level where you're talking about holograms, and that's something that we're working on as well. Uh, the other category that we talk about in the enterprise is around 3D visualization. So we've been working with CAD diagrams, CAD assets for a long period of time. How do you actually take that out of a 2D screen and visualize that? So some of the work that we're doing right now with McLaren is to be able to reduce clay modeling by overlaying the digital content of the next generation McLaren models so that you're able to iterate faster and get those models out quicker. I mean, they're a business and they have to, the quicker they can get these models out, the better. It gives them the ability to, to be able to run more iterations, more design reviews, and, and reduce the actual physical cost of, you know, and time of actually putting clay models together each time. Uh, learn and assist is by far the most uh, important use case that we see today. That's where we've seen mainstream Fortune 1000 companies adopting these technologies, be it Magic Leap or other wearable type solutions, to be able to augment their workforce, upskill them, and provide just-in-time training. Think of this also as a use case with 5G. You know, if I had dropped a physical anchor or a pin here, um, and if you're wearing a sort of wearable device, and then being able to understand what that training lesson is at that point in time to be able to deliver that by uh, loading that content from the edge, it's kind of critical to be able to get that sort of mass scale training that's available for, you know, could be 100,000, 200,000 employee type organizations where people can just walk up to this digital content and it's fixed at that point in time. Uh, what we're doing with NASA is where we're tra training the astronauts before they go to the ISS space station and then they can actually understand some of the complex augmented work instructions. Through augmented work instructions, be able to guide themselves how to do some of these complex repairs. And, and that's, uh, that's another use case among many of what we're doing in Learn and Assist. Uh, another thing that uh, probably more on the media, marketing, branding side that we've done uh, across Royal Shakespeare, H&M Machino, uh, as well as other retail brands is what we call location-based experiences. So what brands are trying to do today to try and differentiate themselves, I mean, one is you've seen them being much more present on social media and on the social digital channels. But to differentiate themselves even further, you have things like trying to appeal to millennial, millennial populations. And the way to do that is through these location-based experiences. We, in fact, partnered with HBO, and uh, we did a whole uh, experience with Game of Thrones. It's, uh, today, Magic Leap is available in some AT&T flagship stores. There's one in Columbus Circle, for example. And that's how we launched with that, to actually show the capabilities of, you know, a white walker coming out of a wall, uh, interacting with, you know, some of the physical props in the store, and then kind of giving you a full experience with, again, the digital meets the physical. And that's one sort of an example of a location-based experience that we're doing. 
So when you start looking at all of these discrete items around co-presence, spatial visualization, location-based experiences, you know, how do you create a platform that developers and creators can go together and start submitting these, uh, these experiences across what we're now calling the spatial web? So the direction that we're going towards is around the magic verse. And we look at that as a platform, an SDK, a whole environment in which developers can develop and then publish content all around the world. So this is the concept of the magic verse is think of it as creating a digital twin or digital layers around the environment that we're in today. So that can start as small as somewhere as this room uh, to then going down to as broad as city scale and, and, and country scale and then beaming into and, uh, different layers across different cities. So I'll just uh, humor you for a second. I mean, imagine uh, a use case here where you're an architect and you're trying to work with the general contractor and the trade contractor. Today, we already have capabilities to be able to overlay digital content on physical assets, but then also being able to instantaneously uh, bring in one of the project planners that's working on the, on the project to be present or co-present at the time of that discussion, being able to overlay the digital content, uh, kind of ideate a little bit about how this uh, whole progress on the job site is coming, and then be a lot more engaged in that discussion, discussion and have the capabilities to, uh, to truly understand you know, where the project is going. All of this, we believe, is capable with that maturation of both 5G as well as uh, the spatial computing devices and the technology. Um, and this is what I was talking about earlier. Think of this as going from a point location to digital layers around the actual cities. Once you have digital twins of cities, it reads the IoT data. It's a living, humming digital twin. The first the time we've done this right now is with the University of Miami. Uh, the couple of other locations as well that are going to become Magicverse sites. And we're, we're thinking more and more as we launch the Magicverse SDK that this is going to be something that where publishers can start developing these experiences that are fixed in, uh, uh, in the physical world around us. And that's what I was talking about. So the Magicverse SDK for us is it's not re relevant to be a ma needed to have a Magic Leap device. We think of this as a cross-platform. So this is used from using your smartphone and being able to look at the content that could be placed around you. But also, of course, the experience we believe would be best with, uh, with a Magic Leap device to actually have that spatial type of experience. So think of things like manufacturing, healthcare, you know, if you wanted to now have the capabilities of having video, MRI, CT scans, remote uh, patient monitoring, have the surgeon come in, all of that instantaneously real time, uh, the amount of data that we're talking about uh, and that we're needing from the networks, as well as being able to, you know, ubiquitously put all this information together in real time is what we believe is really where the future is heading and how we're trying to blend all of this together. That's how we amplify the economies. It stays for, goes from physical to digital, and then combining both of those two together. And so that's a little, literally what we've been doing right now with Magic Leap One, and then of course with a near enough launch on on the Magic Burst. So thank you for your time. That was it. Yeah. Very good. So last presentation for today, Nick. Uh, you have the honor um, of uh, the, the closing presentation. Um, you have uh, you have a fan, a ten-year-old fan um, at home. My my boy. Uh, when I was telling him about this conference, um, so he wanted to know what it's all about. So I told him, well, I have Hatch at the at the conference, and he he looked at me with big eyes and asked me, what's Hatch? 
So I don't know whether you know Hatch, but um, if you allow, it's a, it's a spin-off of Rovio. It is. So I explained to my son, well, think of Angry Birds. So that's the kind of uh, uh, connection that he he did. And of course, uh, he's a big fan. Great. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to your presentation, Nick. Thank, Thank you. Thank you all for staying with us. It's been a long, very interesting day. Uh, this session, I'm, hope, I'm hopeful, will help everyone figure out where the rubber meets the road. There's been a lot of talk about amazing infrastructure, all the investment in building this 5G network. And what does that mean for the person a few blocks away at Times Square who's walking around? What are they getting out of it? What's in it for them? We think that gaming, cloud gaming, and specifically mobile game streaming is really the killer use case for 5G. And I want to walk you through what we mean. <clears throat> so just to take a step back, a quick perspective of where the game industry is moving it's undeniable that what is happening now is a migration from the client to the cloud. You've got everybody moving into this space. You've got Microsoft, Qualcomm, EA, uh, Ubisoft, Tencent, Google, of course, with their launch of Stadia this week. Really, everybody is moving this direction. And, of course, Hatch is part of this, and we're really leading the charge when it comes to the mobile side. <clears throat> And I really like this quote from Andrew Wilson. I'm not going to read this to you, but there's a couple lines I think that really stand out. And it has to do with both subscription and streaming, and they really work together. That subscriptions offer compelling new value propositions for gamers. We've obviously seen this in Netflix, Spotify, and other streaming solutions. That subscriptions fundamentally shift consumer behavior, and that when you combine that with cloud streaming, the barriers are lowered even further, making it even more compelling to jump into games. So what I want to do is talk about what we're doing at Hatch. Hatch is a mobile game streaming platform. It's effectively a Netflix-style model where you're streaming the games from the cloud directly to the client. But we're doing some really interesting things that I want to share because streaming alone is not a game changer. People are looking for bigger experiences, bigger change, bigger disruption. So I want to talk about what I mean by that. So one of the things that cloud does support that is important is this idea of frictionless discovery. You don't have to download each and every game that you want to try. You don't have to manage a whole, you know, dozens of icons on your phone. You have a thin client, and you just open Hatch, find a game, press play, and bang, the game starts instantly. So this is obviously a great benefit to customers with reducing friction. But then we go deeper. What does it mean to have the game on the cloud? Well, you can have true cross-platform gaming. So it's just as easy for us to output to a mobile phone as it is to a tablet, or for that matter, a smart TV, or even a VR headset. So you can literally have the same game with you across all of these devices. With Hatch, you can be playing on your phone, walk home, throw the game up on your TV, play the same game from the same instance on the cloud, walk out the door and keep playing. The game doesn't know the difference because it's running in the cloud, and it's a huge benefit to the customer, opening all kinds of new ways to experience the content. But then we go deeper and think, how do we make this more social? How do we bring people together? How do we create new experiences, which is really key for us in what we're trying to do? One example of that is how you can play every game together on Hatch. So again, just as we can output to multiple devices, you, you can be playing a single-player game, invite a friend into your game instance, the very same game instance on the cloud, pass them the controls and actually take turns playing that same game together while talking through voice over IP. This is a game that exists off the shelf, not a special build for us. This is any game that we can now create as a social experience. 
or we can get into real-time multiplayer where the same game instance is now outputting to multiple players and you're playing in real time together in a fully synchronous environment. And then we use leaderboards also to create even more social engagement. And then, of course, that leads us to content. New experiences through content that really leverage these unique benefits of social multiplayer games. Uh, this is our first Hatch Original Arkanoid Rising. We just launched this last week. It's a reboot of the classic game, and I'll show you some more of this later as we get into the presentation. So I just want to give you a quick view of Hatch so you see what this means in the real world. I think there's some audio if you guys can make the music happen. So what you saw there were some of what I was talking about, people playing single-player games together, a father playing kids' games with his children on two separate screens having a shared experience. All this is uniquely powered by the cloud. So just a quick fly-through on what are the customer benefits here. So frictionless access to content. That's huge. No installations, downloads, or updates, or storage bloat on any of your devices. Play on any screen for true cross-platform gaming. And then we get into other more known benefits, like the latest generation of hardware always being available to you. Near limitless CPU power. So in the mobile world, this is fantastic. You can leverage the cloud, build the biggest games you want. It doesn't matter even how big the download is because, of course, you're not actually downloading the game. So this opens up all kinds of new possibilities for developers. You've got benefits with security. You can't pirate games that are streaming and it enables new social multiplayer experiences. All of this is now possible because of game streaming and hasn't been before. So this is really a completely new revolutionary moment for mobile gamers. So let's fly through the technical realities here. Uh, I don't know how much time I'm gonna have to get into this, but this is really interesting, especially for the investors in the room. There's two ways to do game streaming. What we're gonna talk about first is video streaming is essentially the Netflix model where you're running the game in the cloud, you're rendering, you're encoding, you're transmitting a really heavy stream decoding on the device frame by frame by frame. This is what was tried before, it's what Stadia is doing, it's effectively what everyone has tried, which we think is a fundamentally flawed approach, and we have a, what we think is a better approach, particularly for mobile, which is called command streaming. Command streaming allows us to use the GPU on the phone instead of bringing video into the device, we're actually using the CPU to process the game and just sending rendering commands and rendering in real time on the device. So there's no encoding, there's no decoding, there's no heavy stream. So it's just a thin command stream coming in with a thin command stream going out in order to send your input. It's a much, much more efficient way. And it allows us to do some very unique things, like we can run it on any OS because we're just rendering. We use the device GPU, which is really the, the main limitation with this, but in the current class of devices out there, the GPUs are more than adequate. So this is a very interesting approach, and one of the key benefits to that is the operational expenses. So not only is it thinner to deliver this, but just from an operational standpoint, I was actually on the packet website earlier looking at their rates, and the rate for just compute and we actually are a partner with Packet. The rate for just compute is 40 cents an hour. When you add a GPU under that, that's another $5. So it's 12x the cost to run a video streaming solution versus 
command line real-time rendering. So there's huge operational efficiencies for the business, which of course you can pass on to the consumer to make the business much, much more affordable when you remove the GPU from the equation or actually put it in the device that you're using. Another key benefit is multiplayer. So we touched on this, but this is very cool. It allows us to actually run one game instance in the cloud that's outputting to everyone who's playing the game. So in the old way, you had to have all these different game instances on everyone's separate device and then a, yet another instance that's trying to network and manage all these different uh, input and output streams. It's very difficult if you're PUBG or Fortnite or you know, EA with a, you know, a giant massive multiplayer game like Overwatch, you can do it, but it's very expensive and labor intensive versus the cloud where one instance can now power the experience for every player which gives you also a 100% synchronous experience because it's literally the same game. It's just like you were sitting at home on your PlayStation with four people playing off the same PlayStation, only you're outputting all four of those grids to separate devices. And that allows us to be able to run some really cool user experiences. So this is a quick demo of Arkanoid where you'll see player one, player two, and then a spectator screen. This is great for carriers if you want to run an event and have an e-sports type of experience with people coming in and trying your game. And all of this is running in sync, one instance that's powering the whole experience for everyone. So it's very, very interesting what this means. And of course, how does this all relate to 5G? How does 5G enable this further? <clears throat> so this is what we're talking about with mobile gaming, mobile game streaming done right. It, it really takes all of these things to do it right. and and. One good example is Stadia, which has come to market, which is actually getting a lot of heat right now because it's not really bringing new content or experiences. And I think that their actual latency profile is problematic because of the way that they're streaming. But, you know, if you have the right conditions, maybe it works. I, I have my kit waiting for me at home, so I don't, I don't know from firsthand experience, but the press has been very mixed. We think all of these things are key. You need new content and experiences. So content is original content, but also new ways to play games, new ways to share, interact, new ways to engage. You need a smart cloud with mobile edge compute. And what we mean by a smart cloud is not just setting up um, edge network and just sending the player to whatever is closest. You need smart orchestration because it doesn't make sense to always use an edge compute if you're going to play some very casual match three game it's much more cost-effective to use a traditional data center because the latency profile won't matter for that type of game. Or if you're going to play a hardcore shooter, you want to give the best, tightest experience possible, and you want to map that player as closely as you can. Now, if you've got a multiplayer game, you want to actually find a data center that's equidistant or has some fair distribution ratio so the players have a relatively fair experience. And all of that has to be done under a certain latency profile that we need to understand in order to make sure that their experience is good. So that's the smart piece of the smart cloud. And then the last is the command line streaming. And this is really key for mobile. In the mobile world, you have to be able to deal with a variety of network conditions. You've got 5G, which glues this whole thing together and just makes it rock solid. But those times you'll fall off that 5G network. And the command line streaming is great because even when you drop onto a 4G network, if it has a decent connection, you've got some good latency and throughput available, you can still have a good experience. 5G is what creates a perfect experience, and it opens up all sorts of possibilities to go further, to develop better games, more complex games, 
more robust experiences. So 5G creates the foundation for this becoming a, a truly mainstream uh, and super amazing experience for everyone. I'm just going to touch on the game streaming uh, market really quickly, just so people kind of know what's going on. If you're not in this space, you can see the way it used to be and the way that it is or what's happening now, this paradigm shift that's occurring. There's mostly players who are focused on the PC market, effectively trying to replace the console. But we think mobile space is really the place to play. And the mobile space is huge. These numbers always blow people away. 65% of people are gamers. And it doesn't include under 18. If you put kids into this mix, those numbers go way up. Every kid is playing games on their mobile device. And the demographics are interesting too. It's almost an even split of men and women and the average age is in the mid-30s. These are not just kids playing Fortnite in their basement. These are mainstream people who are playing mobile games. This is a huge, huge market. It's bigger than film. It's bigger than music. 2019, worldwide, $151 billion. And the majority of that is actually mobile and growing, and growing at the greatest rate of anyone. So this is just the beginning. And when you start to open up all these new experiences through 5G, through mobile streaming, there's a Netflix-style potential to, be, to, to benefit from that. In fact, you can see five of the six top grossing non-gaming apps are already streaming services. So clearly there's demand for streaming on your mobile device. And just a quick look at what's gone on in other segments. Everyone's, I'm sure, familiar with this. 74% of U.S. homes are already subscribing to a video streaming solution, and 69 have more than one. Those are big numbers. And the growth in music is impressive as well. So we think when it comes to subscription, streaming, there's a massive opportunity here. So just a quick kind of wrap up on what this means. We think cloud gaming will lower the barriers even further, making this market even bigger, creating all kinds of new interest and exciting opportunities. We've got new players entering the uh, industry. So Hatch is a great example. We spun out from Rovio to really lead this game streaming and pioneer this space, and others are looking at this as well. We see cloud gaming as the perfect use case for 5G. This is a great story for consumers. Why do they need 5G? What are they getting with their 5G service? Well, they can stream this whole portfolio of games, play with their friends, and have a seamless native-like experience. And then for the gaming developers, it's great too. You can make games without limits. Multiplayer is super easy to now integrate because it's native to the cloud, and you get this amazing... Uh, potential for zero latency VR. And that's it. So thank you all for staying with us for the day and appreciate your time. Let's just stay for maybe sure. like five or ten minutes. Yeah, I'm um, going to grab some water. I'll ask a couple of quick questions and uh, then uh, maybe let's see if the, the audience also has one. So um, we're, we're coming closer to Christmas. Um, so now looking at you as the, the customers of wireless networks, um, and having a first wave of 5G around. What, what is your wish on how this wireless network should further evolve to, to make cloud gaming better, to make spatial computing better? So what is, what is needed in order like, to, to fully unlock that potential? Well, from our view, uh, more 5G infrastructure, a broader deployment of the technology would be very helpful. Uh, we've partnered with Sprint. As people know, we've actually partnered with Vodafone as well, uh, SKT in Korea, and Docomo in Japan. So we have great partnerships 
Um, here in the U.S., which is really where I'm focused, it's still a bit of a nascent market. And so we need more infrastructure. We need more devices that are 5G capable. Uh, and that way more consumers can come in and benefit from it. I agree with everything that makes sense. So, um, <laughs> so, I mean, we all need data. We all need the bandwidth, right? Um, and so what, we're, what we're, I'm hoping for personally is just being able to see it more prolific. Um, I just think the, um, uh, the my knowledge is still very limited in 5G and from the technical perspective, but um, my understanding is that you need a line of sight, right? So you need lots and lots of dense types of uh, microcells to be able to do that. So actually getting there is going gonna, gonna to have to take, like I said in my presentation, a giant leap uh, for the telcos, and I think they're doing that, and they're investing billions of dollars in order to actually get that type of infrastructure up and running. To what extent is the latency a requirement for you? I mean, are you satisfied with the, the level of latency that you have today? Latency for us is the is really the gatekeeper. Uh, you know, bandwidth is much sexier for whatever reason. Everyone wants to talk about bandwidth, and I think that's because that's kind of what is available today with 5G. Are these uh, you know giant pipes now that can push a ton of data? Um, but the latency profile for us is key. The, the speed of connectivity to the data center is important for that native uh, like playing experience. Uh, so we're really excited to see dedicated networks come online, to see the latency profile overall drop and become uh, even you know, tighter than it is today. So for me, for latency, I think of the initial example when people were talking about retail commerce. And web pages, if the web page takes one second to load, we talk about milliseconds now, but before it's one second latency on your web page loading meant you're losing customers, right? Um, for us, I mean, the, one of the examples that we often talk about with 5G is, you know, if you're driving an autonomous vehicle and it's about and it's and it's using 4G and it's about to, you know, detect that it's having an accident, that the difference between 4G and 5G with the same vehicle is one inch versus 10 feet. Right, and so which would you rather be? So I think latency is always going to be something that is critical, and you kind of need that immediacy out there. So is it important? Yes. For now, we run a lot of these experiences locally, but we can't wait until we are able to take these to the edge and actually, where that latency for us for for an actual content experience, it has to be you know less than 10 to 20 milliseconds in order for that to be a rich experience. Nick, Nick, I have a. Maybe a bit, a bit of a geeky question here, but uh, sure. I, I like a lot of the way you, you contrast your approach uh, against anyone else doing uh, streaming, giving streaming, where you, you refuse to stream video because it's too much constraint. But when I think about it, also, you by doing that, you cut the possibility of leveraging cloud capabilities to do rendering, and so all this idea that you could have like the most uh, Achieved uh, quality of rendering, leveraging unlimited processing power in the cloud, uh, you can't really get that. Um, and so that's a trade-off you make today. Mm. Uh, and whether or not it's a good trade-off today, um, I would say it, it feels like it's a good one because you you can achieve already much more than others. But as like the bandwidth increases, as latency becomes more and more. Uh, uh, palatable, yeah. uh, don't you think that at some point actually either doing both or M taking the video of you? It's a great question. Uh, look, hash will always 
command line streaming will always be faster because there's no encoding, decoding, unless you take that out of the equation and you just pump raw HD video and that, I mean, maybe that's possible with 5G also. Uh, but you still have the operational overhead. You gotta buy or rent these, you know, GPUs that are on the cloud, which are very expensive. I think it's gonna be a huge problem for making this consumer friendly. Uh, so there's no real, you know, there's definite benefits on the, the cost side. And for us, we're a mobile-first platform. I mean, we're, we're not worried about uh, the, the most high-resolution possible game experience. We're playing games primarily on a mobile device. Uh, and so for us, you know, having that super HD, uh, you know, GPU-based rendering on the cloud, is there's, there's no real benefit for the, for the customer today. That may change in the future, but um, that's a big trade-off to make, and you're opening yourself up to a huge amount of challenges when it comes to actually managing that at scale for users in a wireless environment with a whole range of network conditions that they're going to encounter. If it only works when it's perfect, it's not going to work for a mobile client. Yes. At home, maybe you can get away with it because you've got this dedicated connection and you can control that, but you can't control the last mile. And for us, it's a, there's an obvious benefit to the command line approach. Vivek, how do you guys think about that when you structure your multiverse where you want to get in like other devices, but when, when I look at the specs of, uh, of a Magic Leap uh, uh, pair of glasses and uh, like the, this uh, processing power you have to, to keep in the pocket to make it work, uh, how do you think of diversity of devices when you, de when you architect the, the Magic Verse? Um, so we actually need 5G for that reason because the local processing is, as you're talking about, whether GPU is on the cloud or whether it's on device, it's always, you know, you're taking GPUs from somewhere. But for us, from the way we see it, because of the kind of level of experiences, you know, in the, in the, in the difference in the use case of Hatch, what, what Nick was just saying is, you know, at that point, you know, the richness of the experience because you're mobile first might not be as critical. But for us, it's extremely critical. So we actually need that at the edge and wherever we can borrow that GPU. Yes, it's more expensive, but for us it's about the experience. So you're definitely going to need that, um, uh, that, that compute at the edge in order to be able to deliver those types of experiences at scale. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I feel. Did that answer your question? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Maybe, maybe switching gear towards uh, something more around the business models. Both of you have uh, spoken about uh, partnerships. Um, so we have AT&T um, for Magic Leap. Um, you mentioned a whole range of different different ones, SKT, um, South Korea, uh, but many more. Um, and when I look at these partnerships, I mean, there are other partnerships as well, but all these partnerships are with telco operators, which uh, maybe is a bit different when I look at some other um, companies, uh, like Netflix, uh, et cetera, YouTube, which is all OTT and they basically don't care maybe that much about the, the telecom operators. Why are you partnering with the telecom operators? And do you think that this is something different um, than what we've seen maybe with video? So for us, it, the telcos are the best path to the consumer. They have the customer already. They know their customers. They know how to market to them. Uh, so it's a very clean path to market. For us, it makes a lot of sense. We actually partner with Samsung also, so we have an OEM relationship with, with that partner, uh, and that's advantageous for other reasons. Um, when it comes to how, how do they treat us, is it just another OTT sort of video-on-demand partnership? That's, that's uh, up to the carriers. 
we, I think there's a big opportunity for carriers to invest more in these platforms and actually creating experiences that are unique to their customers. So an example of that would be, you know, if you think about uh, Netflix on Timo and if Stranger Things 2 had come out and T-Mobile customers were able to watch that a month before everyone else, that's a huge competitive advantage to T-Mobile being able to offer content through their relationship with Netflix early to their customers. Now, in video, it actually, that example doesn't work because you can always just put it on YouTube and there's no way to control that. But gaming, actually, you can control that because you can't really pirate or spoil games the way that you can with video. So I think there's a, a, a very interesting opportunity for carriers to actually invest in original content, content that is only available to their customers, but on a platform like Hatch that brings all the benefits of the technology and the infrastructure with them. Yeah, for us at Magic Leap, I mean, we've partnered with AT&T, with SK Telecom, Docomo. Uh, for us, I mean, it's uh, to make the Magicverse, uh, you know, uh, something real that can actually scale uh, really requires us to be lockstep in with, with, with the telco operators. I mean, to be able to uh, go as deep as, you know, understanding signaling standards for this type of technology, how the device actually communicates with the edge. Um, you're going to need a lot of technology all the way down to the firmware level that um, that helps in uh, sort of that type of uh, session-initiated protocols that are required for the device to communicate and for the magic verse to then load. And so we're talking about different standards, different protocols, and we can't do that without without uh, without telcos. Also, uh, as Nick mentioned in the case for Hatch, they're also a great retail uh, partner for us, and that's how we launch globally. Uh, as well as on the enterprise side, we work. I work. My team works uh, very closely with the AT&T enterprise team as well. That's kind of how we achieve scale and able to, um, you know, this technology in the hands of them of, of both the enterprises as well as the consumers. All right. Well, then, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Thanks. 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 Thanks.